and every few years i get less okay what's next and you know what what else can we do uh, to uh, make things more exciting and like i said if you do something really well uh, and you have a little bit of luck or a lot of luck <laughs> then uh, i think it just comes together Vinod, thank you for joining today. There's this whole conversation around that startups are finding it very difficult to raise money. At the same time, we are seeing a lot of startups raise money. Most startups today would look at capital, an alternate way of raising money rather than just venture uh, equity funding. So tell us one about what is the trend that you are seeing, and second, you know, just give us an understanding of the venture debt market, and 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 what are you doing at Alteria? Sure, thanks for having me on this, Shoshada. Uh, I think uh, you're right. These are fairly crazy times, and I think the need for capital is the most acute right now. Um, while there is a a fairly overwhelming need for capital, I think it's also important to distinguish between what may be appropriate for what kind of companies, what kind of situations. Because uh, you can take a lot of equity and it may be suboptimal, but don't kill the company. But if you take a lot of debt, then it can actually kill the company. Right? So uh, one needs to be very careful, uh, both founders and lenders alike, in figuring out what the right uh, fit is. So I think uh, the end of March to maybe end of May was uh, largely just figuring out what uh, the portfolio needs. And uh, you know we were in firefighting mode, which I guess is true for most of the ecosystem. But uh, since... Uh, June, I think uh, there's been a lot more understanding on you know, what's working and where the damage is uh, most heavy. So we've also been able to calibrate and figure out, you know, what are the newer areas in which we can participate and uh, help provide more capital to companies and so on. So some sectors have clearly opened up as uh, getting some tailwinds and uh, there are more deals happening there. So I would say there are three broad splits. Uh, there, there are some sectors which are fairly badly hit, which involve any kind of physical community, which involve uh, interaction necessarily for the way the business is done. And uh, this could be across travel, hospitality, uh, you know, offline retail, and all of those are going to take a long time to recover. And we are seeing a low to no equity interest in those spaces. So consequently, I would say uh, from a venture debt perspective, also these companies would be slightly difficult to target right now. Uh, then there's an interim bucket where uh, it's a wait and watch, where there are good companies, good teams, but the pace of recovery or growth is still not very clear. And uh, I think they're there, the companies are being tracked very closely, but people are not ready to take a decision yet, unfortunately. And that applies for debt and equity in some form or fashion. The only exception I would say is uh, if there have been prior relationships. And uh, for example, if I found a founder before uh, and you know we've not had an opportunity to work in the last few years, but they happen to fall in the bucket, then it becomes a little bit easier uh, because there's history and uh, there's, there's a good base to start from. And then of course, there's the top bucket where uh, you have tailwinds uh, hitting some sectors, uh, which are very obvious now. And you're seeing a lot more deals happen here. There's a clear flight to quality within these as well. So it's not just if you're an ed tech company, everybody wants to give you money. I think <laughs> to show that uh, you know, you're a good ed tech company and uh, you're uh, showing some differentiation. And uh, you know, there's a reason why uh, companies are attractive and it's not just the market. And uh, yeah. show that they are kind of, uh, pulling away from the pack. And I think that is being tested. So debt overall, uh, I think is being used or um, a lot of founders have realized that, you know, when I used to tell them, 
it's insurance sometimes and it's uh, like extra oxygen uh, that you get never more has it been true right so <laughs> a lot of founders uh, and we had actually a rack of deals leading up to february march a lot of our companies raised more capital uh, i think all of those companies are now sitting pretty uh, because they've raised a fair uh, amount of capital both in terms of equity and debt and they don't need to look to raise money in the next 12 months and i think that's the best thing for a founder yeah. uh, they don't have they don't need to go to the market and ironically they are all getting in more interest right so these are the companies which get in more interest like you know the blocks keep adding up uh, and when you don't want money when you don't need money is when it comes pouring to you yeah. so that's yeah. what's happening just give us a little more insight on what like you said physical communities or sectors which are getting affected just tell us a little more on from a broad spectrum perspective which are those sectors because we've seen investment happening across right across sectors so abhi kis kis sectors mein zyada effect dikh raha hai so straightforward check the travel and hospitality so those two uh, broader travel uh, hospitality anything to do with those any ancillary sectors related to those i think have been pretty badly hit and not only hit i think it will take uh, at least 6 more months to figure out you know what is the recovery path it's 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 not even like you can estimate today within travel like there's micro mobility which is still looking interesting because people will need to find solutions for that but anything around air travel uh, you know and vacations holidays uh, all of those have been very badly hit at least for some time offline retail is another area uh, so you know it, it's only recent that malls have opened a lot of uh, disruption has been seen in offline retail so a lot of brands and products which were relying on traditional distribution which were not in the essential category i think they've also seen a lot of uh, damage um so and they are just recovering now so it remains to be seen what is the path and diwali is one kinks that we have in india always there's a fair bit of momentum leading up to that um and i would say business which have not been able to adapt to minimizing uh, interaction so if you take uh, even delivery led businesses uh, across food or products or you know dtc brands there have been some who actually uh, accelerated in terms of their evolution and they've gotten smarter in terms of how innovative they can be in giving more confidence to end users uh you know if you were to order something today do you feel comfortable placing an order on a particular platform uh, who's engaged in uh, you know the various steps of the order it could be anything right the more visibility you have the more comfort you have and the minute you cross the initial couple of steps and place a couple of orders then you start doing more repeats so what's happening now interestingly is the cost of customer acquisition for businesses especially which are online is rapidly reducing right so that's improving the what we always wanted to see as vendors is you know is making companies burn less right and uh, you know that that's a good sign because uh, it makes business more efficient uh, and you don't have to throw money to make money right that's an important parameter but it doesn't apply for all i mean that's the key i mean uh, it, it's not for all sectors and it's not for all kinds of businesses but we are clearly seeing how do you uh, uh, how do you use the fact that customers are placing a premium on trust and how do you weave that into your own proposition and uh, provide different data points you know for example we have a rebel where you know can you see temperatures of people uh, who are uh, processing your food can you you know do you have confidence in the kitchens that are uh, you know processing your food then you place a couple of orders and then you come back right but there are obviously those who depend on food delivery uh, you know if you're single and you've been you know a city like bombay or bangalore and you have 3 months of lockdown you want food i mean you want options right so there are some natural uh, buckets of uh, customer demand which are there uh, but 
i think even you know apparel some of the other uh, non essentials we are seeing some interesting uh, behavior uh, patterns uh, you know where customers are buying uh, they are buying online but they want they don't want interaction they want confidence that you know whatever is coming to the house is reasonably safe so mm. however you can establish that i think there's some uh, improvement there but otherwise uh, non essential uh, physical retail is pretty badly hit uh, anything involving physical community is pretty badly hit so these are all areas which you know we'll wait and watch uh, for the next few months see what's It's happening me. now is more a behavior issue right so 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 for example if you i take logistics as a space right now intuitively logistics should be doing very well right mm. because uh, there's more need for delivery there's more uh, you know there's more demand but within that it's not like every company is doing well that's what yeah. i'm trying to say that you know yeah, it depends yeah. on who's been able to establish that they are the best practices they've been able to adapt and so that's why i took the example of food where it's not like every food platform is doing well uh, that's not the case uh, you know i'm not even talking about the zomatos and swiggies where you know you've seen the drop in business but there is a path of recovery and it's not like uh, every company shows the same behavior that's what i was trying to get at that within even okay. these uh, harder hit sectors you have certain players who are showing that they are more innovative they are able to adapt to the customer's pulse and i think uh, that's what these kind of uh, really tough times bring out right i mean it's the fighters who come out and uh, you know they they come punching and uh, you can see the innovation happening in different different areas that's the best part of the last few months at least for me personally it's a, it's a massive level of fight that has happened in the startup ecosystem uh, i think april first week it looked like you know everything was so dark and gloomy and over the next few months uh, the level of resolve shown has been incredible and uh, i'm feeling much better uh, you know seeing what has happened over the last four months i am yeah. still optimistic if you can share uh, about what is venture debt and because you know there is a perception also that if you're not able to raise money then you go for venture debt <laughs> so why don't you demystify Correct. this whole that's, venture debt that's a great question and the answer is the exact opposite of that right <laughs> so and the reason is very simple if you're not if any if any situation a company is not able to raise any money it means the risk is highest right mm-hmm. it means that even a venture equity provider or an angel investor is not seeing this risk as worthwhile to take right and they have a high risk appetite which means it's definitely not good for venture debt right that's the first thing so i think venture debt is uh, an oxymoron and i said this a lot because uh, venture and debt don't go together in the traditional sense i used to be uh, in city bank before this like 12 13 years ago i was uh, doing large corporate banking that is very simple right last few centuries it's worked on very simple principles it's been a very boring subject and uh, in fact when i started off my career i was a marketing guy and i thought everybody who was ever doing anything in debt was very boring right? <laughs> and here i am unfortunately fortunately but uh, it worked on first principles that if you have a business which has some assets which people can touch and feel and sell you know that's one thing or if you are generating profits which again they can touch feel and sell right or use every month every quarter then you have in in the conventional sense a sensible business and hence you're reliable the layer on top is are you you know the integrity good are you a good person uh, do you want to repay the obligation so these are fundamental constructs uh, you know or the parameters on which uh, debt has always uh, worked right and there's been over centuries now you throw in startups and for startups as you know uh, there's no plant and machinery they're not making cement or they're not generating power or nothing so there's no hard assets they also are not profitable 
and india is not a market where you know you have the apples and ciscos and uh, you know all of these which become profitable in you know 3 months and 6 months and whatever here after 10 years also companies don't don't become profitable right which is fine the value creation is a different path so no assets no profits founders who are professionals like you and me and they go out and start a company so they are not from the birlas and uh, you know the big families of the country uh, so they can't give like guarantees for them. so what do you underwrite to and what do you give money <laughs> to and hope to get it back right so it's a fairly uh, in- interesting puzzle the way we are approaching this is we believe there's still significant value in startups and it cannot be seen in the traditional way of assets or profitability but it's in the way they jump and create value mm. a series a a seed round a series a round a series b round a series c round every 12 18 months you're seeing a jump in value where somebody is putting money on the table for that price and the reason for value can differ i mean for a saas company it's different for a food company it's different so the parameters may vary but the common aspect is they are all growing in enterprise value they are all raising equity as they grow so venture it started the proposition thing okay you're raising equity why don't you take a little bit of that round through debt so if you're raising 25 crore and you're worth 100 crore maybe you can take 20 crore of equity and 5 crore of debt and you save 5% of dilution and eventually if you get bought by walmart for 17 billion right and you'd save 5% uh, earlier imagine the gains that as a founder you have right and that's the that's in a nutshell what the product is trying to achieve which is can we help provide a mechanism for founders to reduce dilution when everything else is attractive right so that is a key right you need <laughs> to raise the equity you need to be in a good market you need to have a good team this is not a bailout product sada so this is not a product which is the last resort it is the way you can optimize a good situation and make it even better so for yeah. investors for vcs it's very simple that the top 3 4 companies in the portfolio return the fund can they improve the returns on that so you put 20 25 crore can you take a little bit more and imp- and that has worked well for a lot of uh, funds in the valley uh, where their returns have been outsized right in india one the founders uh, can use this money can, and you know kind of minimize dilution the other important uh, aspect especially in a covid type situation which we briefly spoke about earlier is it provides you insurance it provides you time it gives you that extra oxygen which you may need which you don't know if you uh, if you have a necessity or not up front you know in february nobody thought that you know the rest of the year is going to play out like this right? i mean nobody would have forecasted that but for startups every year is tough and you never know you know given your experience in the ecosystem go back to summer of 14 or you know early 15 when you know you just you open a powerpoint deck and you get funding right <laughs> it was like that there was no uh, it was so easy and then you saw a period where it was tough so sometimes as a founder you have to provide enough time to raise capital or not be in a position where you are raising money and you are running on fumes because that will erode value right so either it can help add to your proposition give more muscle pound harder and you know do more and create more value for yourself for the investors for everybody around or it gives you some buffer some extra rope so that instead of 12 months you have 15 months right it's incremental it's not meant to change your life right yeah, yeah. so i think the way it is the founder or the founding team they are the stars of the show right the investors the equity investors are like the second leads or the character artists right so we are like 
somewhere there on the margins <laughs> you know in <laughs> conversation so we are only trying to provide a little bit maybe we are like the you know guys who provide some light on uh, on the on the on the show right so we're trying to make something look more attractive we are trying to uh, make a company look more attractive or provide some uh, support but you need to take it it's like an umbrella you buy before it starts raining right once yeah. it starts raining everything gets expensive <laughs> before yeah, yeah. it starts raining you grab it you keep it if you don't use it great for you if you use it then you know you you always had it with you that's venture debt uh, you know it's it's a it's a debt product it's um it's a monthly repayment of principal and interest but it gives a little bit more time for founders and uh, you know it's not meant for all companies also i would i'd be the first to say that not every company which raises equity financing is appropriate for debt historically we've seen maybe 25 30% of funded startups would be appropriate for uh, venture debt and that may seem like an astonishingly small number right but the reason it, it is again not so intuitive is every single company that has taken venture debt is equity funded so 100% yeah. of that right so it's it's a tough business uh, where you still want money to come back in a small short period of time but we've had a very very interesting uh, you know run over the last 12 13 years that ajay and i have been doing this together and across different entities so it's been a lot of fun yeah 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 you know but what i'm hearing from you primarily if i have to say is that for founders they get to preserve their equity and it gives them a runway before their next fundraise or before their next outcome right that's and, right and, and yeah so that's what that's where venture debt comes yeah yeah, yeah. and a few few more ancillary things also kick in uh, you know you create a track record uh, there's a little bit more discipline uh, in terms of how you manage your costs as a founder so for example if you're running a marketing campaign and you don't have a cost attached to it how do you know you know how much to spend when to draw the line if you know that there's a particular cost of capital uh, you know exactly what your budget is what you want to achieve out of that there is a real cost and you have to give back the i think the other last thing i would say to this is equity also has to be returned right i mean at the end of the day equity there's an obligation to return that with some handsome return uh, but in a market where not had exits it starts to feel like equity is free right but that's not the case uh, you know there's a very high cost uh, in <laughs> capital you know how it is there's a higher burden on founders once they raise equity it's just that venture debt puts a real cost to it it's far cheaper than equity but it allows the founders to plan and if you're doing an acquisition if you're running a marketing campaign you're making an investment you're you know uh, a couple of key hires and you want to bring them on board sooner uh, you know all of these decisions you can play around with the capital that you have there's an equity plan and then you throw in some more debt with that and then you have a plus plus plan and uh, you know that's useful as well some of the portfolios are dunzo topper lending cart and pine portier stands a living bogo wrong and draw pressery yeah did i miss something <laughs> yeah we've got a lot more <laughs> so we've uh, we've got about 28 companies in the portfolio now uh, not all mm-hmm. of them have been announced but one which we recently funded was country delight you know normally uh, uh, you know everybody thinks that venture capital goes only in tech heavy companies and so on this is a comp- fantastic company uh, which is the business of milk right and uh, milk and dairy products uh, and this is a business which has done really well uh, during covid right and uh, you know the realization that you want to have something delivered at home don't interact with anybody it is safely managed safely handled huge premium for that so uh, country light is one which we did recently we did many so another interesting thing for about venture debt is we follow on when companies raise capital and we give more and more capital 
you know, like the names you mentioned, uh, be it a Dunzo or a Topper or a Country Delight, all of these, we've done more than 40 deals across about 28 companies. As the companies raise more capital, it becomes a frictionless way to attach or staple a little bit of debt to every round. So in the first example I gave, suppose the next round the company raises $25 million. It's 20 million of equity and 5 million of debt. I mean, it becomes very simple uh, for the founder to uh, put those pieces together. It's like your pro rata equity investors share, you know, they put in 20% of the round and you put in 20% through debt. You just need one lead of 10 million for that round. And, you know, it makes life easier for founders also. Uh, yeah, so some of the companies uh, that you mentioned, we've done a lot of follow-ons as well, even during uh, the last few months. If you have to say it from a financial lens, right, running it in a very prudent manner, what are some of the behaviors, characteristics that you've seen in companies who have consistently performed? What are some yeah. of the practices they follow? So I think the first one uh, on this one, Prada, is uh, something that Silicon Valley Bank had kind of uh, taught me. I mean, that, that's where uh, they are the mothership for venture debt in the world, right? I and mean, they are fantastic and uh, it's a, a phenomenal global franchise. And the first is to know what's going on. I think for any founder or investor or a debt provider, whoever it is, it's about knowing what's going on. And which is why even for a Series A company, we say, you know, 30 days from the end of the month, do you know what's going on? Do you know what your revenue is? Do you know, and it's not like a vanity metric deck, right? Where you just talk about clicks and this and that and reviews and whatever, right? None of that. Hard numbers, you know, how much cash do you have? What money have you generated? What's the movement like? What are your costs? How much are you paying? How much are you getting? As a founder, the test we do is, do you know what's going on? That's the first question. Second is, what do you expect is going to happen? And is that backed by what has happened in the past? I mean, are, are we like dreaming completely? It's fine, but you need to have some uh, foundation to that. And uh, is there a logical uh, path towards that? And are there missteps? So you're assuming certain things and you uh, are you having the right milestones to measure your growth? You know, if you want to go from here, series A to series B over a 12 month period, in the 10th month, you can't just wake up and say, okay, why didn't things go to plan, right? The plan has to be tested. And one of the things that we saw with the good investors and good founders is they don't go board meeting to board meeting, right? Uh, it's not like every three months you show up a presentation and you have a few cups of coffee, give some gyan and you're done, right? <laughs> so uh, that, that's not a good way to uh, engage with a startup. I think the really serious uh, investors and uh, you know the, the founders who think have run through very fast, they, they agonize over these things on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. And it's not like they have to keep reporting the data, but they know. So... When you ask a question and you say, okay, you know, how many uh, such customers were there or in this market, what was the trend? Every specific deep dive question, you usually ask mm. one or two, but if you get the answer, you know that the founder is on top of the game. Mm. And the entire prudence comes around that. So it's about A, knowing, then B, mm. what are you working towards? So for example, if you have 25 crore in the bank, but you're burning four crore a month today, mm. you can't still be thinking that I have 12 months of runway. Right? Yeah. Or you need to have a path saying, why is my burn reducing? Is it because revenue is increasing? Is it because costs are reducing? It has to be very simple. So that's why I started with saying, I'm a, I was a marketing guy, right? Through my MBA, I didn't do any finance. So, <laughs> so what it means is, A, no jargon. So when I talk to founders also, no, no technical jargon, nothing. It's all first principles. If I understand what you're saying, great, right? If I don't understand what you're saying, I'm out of here, right? That, that means that it's not right for me or I'm not smart enough to understand what somebody is telling me. So the test of transparency is very important. 
uh, you know, and almost all the good relationships that we've had, it's because that founders have also resonated on that front. Uh, and it's not like you need to show everything to you all the time, but one or two questions, if they're the right questions and the answers come immediately, you know that everything's fine. Then it's okay. Then you take your time, you know, somebody you know, they're busy with something, they're busy with fundraising, they're busy with a campaign, no problem, right? I have that trust. But if I ask a question and the answer doesn't come for some time, then those are the trip files that are there, right? So like this, you've all some practices on what we need to track, what thresholds are important for founders to track, uh, and hard data around it. Cash is, cash never lies, right? That's the one thing. So, you know, the reality moves around cash. Everything else, uh, upwards of revenue is a metric that can be massaged in 25 ways, right? Uh, so <laughs> it's impossible to figure out, you know, uh, you know, what's going on. But you cannot do that with cash. You cannot do that with hard revenue. You cannot do that. For example, if I say this is my revenue and this is my GST, it has to compare, right? So things like that, they're very natural correlations that happen. But you know, how do you put your returns? Where do you put your marketing costs? Where do you put your logistical costs? So that's where, you know, people can play around a bit, but you have to spend some time and also kind of help educate founders to say, okay, at the end of it, if you are transparent, it helps you because you attract the right people and you attract the right yeah. capital. And, uh, you know, if you ever want to get listed, that's the path. Some <laughs> of these things are resonated. You know, one or two people whom you have found uh, very attractive in terms of the way they manage their operations and the way they manage cash. Does any name come to your mind? Yeah, and uh, good uh, validation for this is companies. Uh, so, preface uh, to that is, if companies have only seen success, no, it's tough to figure it <laughs> right? So, you need a situation where companies have gone through good times and bad times and lousy times. Okay, only yes. then you'll know if somebody is good at their job and uh, you know how they respond. One example that comes to mind again is Rebel. I mean, uh, I've known Jaydeep for a long time, and uh, I think they've been through massive crests and troughs, right? And uh, it's not been a straight path. And he's the first to acknowledge that. And uh, they've reinvented themselves a couple of times over. And it's important to see that the DNA of the company we maintain. I think that's another thing I give a lot of value to, which is what is the fundamental DNA of a business? What is the fundamental culture? And it's Slightly amorphous. I know it's easy to be, you know, it's very fuzzy and all that, but uh, lack of it shows is how I would say, right? You know, if, if there is no strong DNA or no strong culture, it becomes very obvious over a period of time. Uh, it's like a, you know, a drummer's job in a band, right? Where if it's off beat, then you immediately know something's wrong. If it's on, then <laughs> nobody really talks about it, right? Do you know, but we know you said a very good thing, a very powerful thing. Like you, you know, you mentioned strong DNA. And and and, and we, what you are also saying that the strong DNA comes when you have seen everything, right? Yes. You get stronger yes. and stronger. Correct. Adversity. I think adversity brings uh, people together. It also tests uh, companies and founders. I think that way COVID is doing that for a lot of companies. But uh, when I talked about revenue, it was even before. What if your strategy is good, but it's not? You're not able to grow beyond the point. How do you adapt? How do you bring in new? things to the to the plate literally how do you innovate uh, in a space which is not uh, you know da- not doing so well otherwise and i think that is what tests a founder how do you manage attrition how do you manage uh, you know co-founder issues uh, you know different things uh, i think test the uh, test the founder in their on their journey and uh, that's one example even danzo for that matter i think they've i mean Starting with the time Kabir was doing personal deliveries, I think uh, it's come a long way in uh, you know how the company has evolved. 
and uh, it's been a tough journey right it's been a tough journey uh, there's been a lot of customer love but uh, it's not been easy and it's not been easy to maintain that level of execution uh, i am always i'm always marveling at you know how they manage this with the level of uh, intricate uh, execution level uh, issues that are involved everybody still loves them right and half the time when i'm uh, checking with different people i'm asking like you know what is the incentive for you to give such glowing feedback but that's the way i know if you have anything different to say but as a user uh, yeah. i've seen that there's a lot of customer love and it's very hard for a brand to maintain over a period of time without throwing money it's not like yeah. they've raised you know several hundred million dollars and so on uh, but they've they've done well right and i mean even like a small company small company like damage which is another company we had funded uh, recently through covid has done very well in a wear brand and you know uh, all these d2c offerings we are seeing a, a kind of customer behavior which is it's simple i can buy online it comes to my house no clutter i'm done right then uh, that's why i said your cost of acquiring customers also reduces uh, if you are doing your job well and i think that's an interesting next phase for india where if your cac is lower hopefully yeah. we can build more sensible businesses <laughs> can you give us a rough size of how big is the venture debt uh, corpus to be invested in india and uh, and how are you seeing do you have any data on how are you seeing it grow year on year yeah sure so um, when it started in a meaningful way it was uh, almost 12 13 years ago again in the back of the global economic crisis right a good time to start a business or uh, everybody's yeah. expectations are zero and yeah. uh, way back in 2008 is when i joined ajay uh, when it set up silicon valley bank in india and uh, so it started off very slow and today you have a handful of uh, players right so you have about three large players and a few more have started recently so i think the interesting thing is it's growing as an asset class there's better uh, adoption uh, across founders as well as investors more about lps as well right so uh, i was doing the math and uh, i'm i'm approaching my 200 venture debt deal so it's been a long journey right and uh, it's it's across 125 companies uh, so today i would say that uh, in a year we are seeing upwards of uh, say 350 350 to 400 million dollars of venture debt happening uh, with about 80 85% being done through the three large players which is uh, Alteria uh, Innovan and Trifecta so i think that's a good sign it's a market which is growing uh, pretty well uh, there's still a lot more room uh, if you look at the us uh, there's about 15% of all venture dollars is through debt india is maybe 2 to 3% at this point of time so we have a lot of room but it's much harder in india for a couple of reasons one is in the us you it's contract Rich. I mean, you know, if somebody, if something needs to be done, you go to court, it gets done, and you know, it's very efficient. Uh, India is very contract light, and you know, uh, you have to rely on relationships, right, completely for anything to happen. Right. And uh, the second thing is, India is not a tech-heavy market, by which I mean, it's not like you have patents, you know, you don't have IP necessarily. It's value-driven, you know, it's execution-heavy. It's the real-world business. You use technology, but the real-world business. So if a business fails. the residual value proportion is not very high whereas in the us you know business pays your product to sell you know somebody else buys it the debt is still paid off so some of these differences have implied that the indian market is a little bit smaller proportionately uh, it's still i think tracking towards almost 400 500 million dollars a year and if you look at the corpuses uh, i think between the three large players uh, there's easily that kind of capital and you have a few more who are starting 
The last thing I would say on this is the domestic interest from LPs uh, is very, very strong for, for this asset class. Uh, one is you're seeing yields drop uh, in the broader market. You know, uh, home loan rates have all fallen. It's good for everybody. Uh, we are not competing against banks normally, right? So it's either equity or venture debt. Usually banks are not in the fray. So this is an asset class where uh, it's still giving good returns uh, for investors. It's predictable. Every quarter they get their money. <laughs> it's like, you know, it goes into their bank account. Uh, and it's not linked to what's happening in the conventional corporate world. Yeah. So what's happening to the reliance and the banks and the power plants and cement companies has no correlation largely to the startup ecosystem, right? So your listed markets and your corporate bond markets, there's different variables at play there. None of those apply here. Here, the only thing which matters is, is the entrepreneurial ecosystem good? Is there venture capital dry powder? Uh, you know, are people feeling comfortable about the venture ecosystem? That's what drives our success. So all of these have helped in kind of uh, improving the asset class. And we are seeing more. So we raised, you know, just a thousand crore for our first fund. Uh, I remember when we uh, left uh, previous organization, which was almost three years ago to the day, a lot of people thought, you know, we're crazy to go out and uh, raise 1,000 crore. Because if you think about it, in 2017, nobody had raised 1,000 crore across equity or debt in India for early stage, right? Uh, apart from the global valley names and so on. Yeah. But, you know, you got a dream. So we, we also had a dream. And <laughs> we said, okay, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll try our hand at this. And so what? We'll figure it out. We got lucky. And uh, I would say we had a lot of goodwill. A lot of people helped us along the way. Um, so looking back, I think uh, it was a fantastic journey and also makes us want to do more, uh, you know, in terms of paying it forward and so on. So it's been interesting. Yeah, you look happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, when I talk about it, I can go on. I think uh, I really like what I do. And uh, that 2017 phase is important because uh, when you're around entrepreneurs, I mean, I'm sure you, you have the same feeling. When you tell so many stories and you're around so many entrepreneurs, it's natural that entrepreneurship bug just gets to you. And, you know, same thing happened to us, right? And for so long, we were uh, amidst these fantastic folks and the bug was biting. And we said, okay, at some point we have to do this on our own. I don't know anything else to do. So the only thing I knew was uh -huh. to provide venture debt. <laughs> Very limited skill set. So I said, okay, let me try and do this. And, uh, but at least do it entrepreneurially, raise our own fund. And, uh, you know, that's where Alteria was born. And uh, we feel pretty happy uh, that we kind of uh, spread our wings and, uh, you know, people carried us through. Like, you know, VCs have, they write, they have write-offs. Do you have write-offs? Do you have any write-offs? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> has write-offs. <laughs> no, and uh, that's, a, that's another good question. So equity is an interesting animal that you can have a bunch of write-offs, but you can have like one or two winners and it's fine. Everybody's yeah. okay, right? Because you have one flip card and, you know, it's fantastic, right? We don't work that way. And that is the other reason that I said earlier that not every equity-backed company is good for debt, right? So if an equity investor funds 10 companies, they write off three, four, and two, three do really well, that's fine, right? The fund is good. For us, if we fund 50 companies, 46 to 48 have to do reasonably well. <laughs> so that is one. And uh, which is why, you know, uh, we're not able to provide this capital to every startup, frankly. That is the reason, right? I mean, uh, for example, if, I, if I'm giving debt returns to my LPs and I still say, but I'll write out 25% of the portfolio, they'll think I'm mad, 
<laughs> I am not giving the returns that equity guys are giving, right? I am giving slightly better fixed income returns. Slightly better. If you are getting seven, eight percent in mutual funds in debt, maybe we'll give you know three, four percent higher than that post tax. So the the proposition is, can you get twelve to fourteen percent in 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 this product? We are not giving thirty percent, right? So post tax. So venture equity is high risk. Write off a bunch, but get a few winners. Win big, and everybody talks about you, right? So that that's the story there. Venture debt is stay stable, sober, <laughs> and uh, you know be behind the entrepreneurs, support them, but you know try not to make mistakes. <laughs> so the mantra here is very simple. If a company is going, if we, if I think a company is going to become a unicorn in seven years, that's an equity story. If I think a company won't die in 12 to 18 months, that's the venture debt story. So mm-hmm. we may we may not be the best judges of who's going to be the next Sonycon or Unicorn, but I can tell you who's going to die in 18 months. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and we keep avoiding those. And uh, hence our write-offs have been uh, very manageable. So in Altiria, uh, Touchwood so far, despite COVID, it's at zero. And but it's still early. I think it's still two and a half years. We have some more ways to go. um but uh, that's where i said you know founders have really uh, supported us uh, you know and through this phase when there's been so much uncertainty we did provide support to some companies because their business model needed some help and needed some time uh, but it was uh, you know very very appropriately done and uh, everybody understood you know that we're not a bank we don't nobody gives us money for this as the support <laughs> uh, coming through for us uh, but write offs are a very important part of venture day and uh, the key here is the investors who funded the companies what we look to understand is you know what is the probability that this company will raise one more round of capital and if yeah. we believe that it's an interesting probability they will get there you know it's like if you have children with rich parents and the children are behaving well right there's a good chance that the parents will continue to fund them and hopefully you know take them through to college right <laughs> so that is a bet we're taking uh, we're not betting them for life right so we're just saying okay will you go from 7 standard to 8 standard right one step and i will get you one more step and if you have good parents then they will pay your school fees right if you yeah. keep studying well that's really the analogy here and uh, you know to that extent we we play a relatively passive role we don't take board seats we don't uh, tell companies what to do that's no i don't think that's my job right yeah. i don't think i'm the expert on that i can be a non judgmental sounding board for my founders because i'm not in the next board meeting and sometimes they run it by me as in this is what i'm thinking what will be the reaction will some investor think that think this all of that is fine but i don't mandate saying this is what you should do or this is what you should do that's yeah. the founders call and uh, you know we hope they do yeah. right things what has money meant to you personally in your life <laughs> <laughs> so first it was uh, uh, like i said it was something that i didn't understand which is i i was a marketing guy so for me yeah, so people uh, and minds were things that attracted me the most honestly so that's why i loved marketing i loved i started my career in icici bank as a brand manager my dream wow. uh, when, when i did my mba my dream job was to sell soap with hindustan levers right? <laughs> so, uh, a very different path uh, and and i wasn't looking to in some banks or consults or whatever so i guess at some level uh, it was more to just be around people and uh, you know that that was my kick in life i think that's playing out now also right 
but i wouldn't be cavalier about it i think uh, money should, it, it's it's important um, that it doesn't get over you and it doesn't get under you also. so it should be appropriate right it should be enough that you're fine and it sounds a bit philosophical i don't i don't mean to be philosophical but uh, it shouldn't be too less that it's a concern it shouldn't be so much that you know you're just thinking about that it should actually be a non issue that's the way i would look at it so the way i look at what i want to do next for example when i left my last organization and like i told you people thought i was uh, you know why were they taking such a risk and uh, you know new fund no backers you know all of that <laughs> and you're like you're losing uh, cushy uh, you know opportunity and basically what they're saying is you're losing a lot of money and you know uh, all the carry and everything why do you want to do something and it's so uh, and same way when i left citibank uh to join venture debt uh in 2008 uh when i did my last exit interview i was told that you're you know you're dumb <laughs> you know, nobody leaves city bank you know to go go to you know wherever right so i think uh, my decisions in life uh, have been largely driven by uh, you know what's the next thing and you know uh, is it something that is exciting and i've always believed that if i do that well then the money will follow and yeah. it has right and the second thing is if you build good relationships and on a sustainable way i think that also uh, helps a lot so it's a long answer right i agree but uh, it is like i said it should not be so much that you chase it and so little that you stress over it so it should it should just be enough that you're fine and uh, you got to play the game for something else right you got to uh, because then yeah. if it's just for the money then it gets boring beyond the point it's got to be for some challenge you know could for me the first challenge was how do you even give money to a startup and get it back right so that <laughs> was the first challenge uh, the challenge before that was how do i understand finance right so whole different level then the challenge became can i raise a fund you know will people trust me with their capital so different challenges uh, you know right now i'm trying to figure out my next challenge to be honest i was lucky that i got these opportunities uh, when i was young in my career uh, i was lucky that there were people around me who felt that you know okay uh, throw me in the deep end of the pool and let's see what happens and uh, it was fun i mean i enjoyed it thoroughly um, so i think that has been a consistent thing and every few years i get less okay what's next and you know what what else can we do uh, to uh, make things more exciting and like i said if you do something really well uh, and you have a little bit of luck or a lot of luck <laughs> then uh, i think it just comes together and uh, you know that that's been the approach